The Athletic. Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic. It's the podcast that didn't write a script for today because the FM beta just dropped and I'm not going to waste time doing actual work. Good God. Instead, today we're just going to be having a freeform, freestyle, unparalleled discussion with two of the biggest minds from Sports Interactive. I am joined, privileged to be joined, by friends of the show, Nick Madden and CJ Ramson. Nick, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Ian, and yeah, thank you for having me. No, I'm fairly sure this is at least your third appearance, so you you are definitely friend of the show. CJ, welcome along. You've been on, I think, probably over 20 times, so I don't even know what we call you. Probably, like, family member at this stage. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm happy to be back again, and thank for that intro as well. Love that. <laughs> I do what I can. We haven't got budget. We've only got flattery. For anyone who hasn't gone back and listened to the shows from last year, Nick Madden, what exactly do you do all day? So, Ian, I'm the um, senior producer of the Match AI team. So what I do is I look after the Match team as a whole, both the engineers and the QA. I work really closely with um, CJ on the development of the Match engine. In our team, we have nine engineers and four specialized match engine QA, and we're working on making sure that the match engine, the AI and the animation system is as realistic as possible. And it it shows off the beauty of real football. And CJ is essentially an in-house gladiator set up to battle the AI every single hour of every single day in an effort to find weak spots, loopholes, and, and get them shut down. So basically knows more about the tactical engine of this game than probably any human being alive. That's quite an accurate description, to be honest. I'm a QA lead, so we lead a lot of the testing on a lot of the player roles and the tactics in game and obviously making sure there's no exploits in the match engine, trying to find those and get rid of those as well. Then in which case, you two are the most important people I could possibly be talking to today because as we record, I should confess, it is Friday of last week and the beta dropped late last night. Nick, how's it gone down? The reception has been fantastic. The fans have really um, got behind it on not just um, the social media, but on our community forums. Just the Twitch streams that like we were watching last night. I- I've got to admit, I've, I've sort of bounced around different Twitch streamers. If you were in a match, I was watching you. If you weren't in a match, I wasn't. Nothing against you and your streams. It's just that's that's my main passion. What I care about the most is making sure that the match engine is like a realistic simulation and. It seems to be going down really well. People are really loving the new animation engine and it's really difficult to explain sometimes because of the leaps from FM21 to FM22. But to see people's reactions of seeing it for the first time, we as a team needed to roll back about six months to get that, that fresh reaction. So we've seen it so much, we're used to it now. So it's really nice to see it and the fans and how they appreciate it. Well, this is why I'm so happy you're on, because this is a big part of what's changed. I know there have been loads and loads of uh, changes, and I don't want to diminish any of the alterations by focusing this much attention on animation, but it's such a big step forward. Me and Kevin Chapman were talking about this on the previous show. The way that the players, they just seem more real now. They're more twisty. The thing that really stood out for me was you could really quickly tell what foot was their favoured foot, because that's the way their body sort of angled. 
I'm not nearly clever enough to know how you've done this, but I gather it's been a kind of top to bottom rebuild. Exactly. Yeah, it's been a, a few years in the making as well. So we've actually been working on a new animation engine for a few cycles in the background. And we wanted to make sure that we got things right, getting the fidelity of the animations from the motion capture and making sure that we could best represent that with the AI that we have. In doing this, we actually helped sort of improve our AI as well because like the recognition of the preferred foot. The AI has a concept of that, but sometimes in the animation engine, we weren't necessarily reflecting that in the old animation engine. In this new animation engine, we are always sticking with what the AI wants, what the AI has intended. We've then been able to sort of improve our AI and the selection of when a player is using their strong foot, their weak foot, when are they turning and when are they moving. It's just absolutely beautiful to see. But yeah, it's been a whole overhaul. We had to start again. Our old animation engine wasn't fit for purpose and it wasn't scalable. And this is the foundations of our future. And it's I'm really impressed with all the team members, past and present, who worked on this to make it come to life. How long have you been using the old engine? <laughs> it's so funny, actually. The old animation engine, it was strapped onto the 2D disc. When you say 2D disc, do you mean the um, the old ProZone icons for 2D mode? Yes, yeah, so the, the 2D mode and simulation. So as soon as we went to 3D and um, Football Manager 2009, basically the animations were lumped onto the top of the 2D disc. So they were very, very restricted. And we stayed with that technology and built on that technology since 2009. And obviously the changes of the industry and the game industry is and the technological advances just meant that we needed to try and get away from that 2D disc. One of the things that I think I was guilty of, and I reckon quite a few people were, when, when it was listed as a feature, it was, it was like, we've rebuilt the animation engine. And my first reaction was, meh, I use 2D quite a lot. But it's not just a cosmetic thing, because as you say, it changes the way the AI operates, but it also changes the behavior of the players, doesn't it? Because I've noticed, even just doing preseason friendlies this morning, that there's a lot more turning back than they used to. So one of the big things on the QA side was kind of having player roles really feel like they were different from each other. And nowadays you see a lot of wingers playing on like the opposite side, for example. So having a left-footed player on the right wing cut back onto his left foot was a big thing that seems small in isolation. But when you're watching the match and you're signing a player for the exact position, it's something that really helped the whole immersion of the game. So seeing how it feels now, especially kind of compared to previous versions, it is a really big, a really big feature. We had somebody in the office actually say to me that he switched from 2D to 3D this year. And that's just based off the animation system and how fresh and how different it feels. Matching a lot of the kind of feedback we're seeing online is, is really converting some of the more old school players too. So that's the most obvious change from FM21. The one that I predicted would probably cause a few issues with people who didn't like getting late goals tonked past them is the alteration to Gegenpress. Some people have called it a nerfing. In what I'd seen from the alpha, it it's not like Gegenpress is no longer an option. It's just there's a penalty for using it now, isn't there, CJ? Yeah, so a lot of it is down to if you have the ball and if you don't have the ball, because Gegenpress essentially is counter-pressing. So if you're using, let's say, a top team with the top physical attributes and you're averaging 60% possession, then you might not feel the fall off as much. But if you're using a team in the lower leagues where the players might not be as physically elite, 
or you're one of the teams that are trying to counter-attack and you're constantly trying to chase and win the ball back, that's when you really do kind of feel the effect a lot more and it's less about kind of making it just a tactic that fits all. Nick, is this something that you're keeping a close eye on now over the two weeks before the full release? I guess I have to because I felt like with the comments that I made in the feature reveal video, I've probably put more pressure on the team and on us as a (laughs) studio because I was obviously saying, oh, well, no plug and play and game press would work. And what I meant to get across is the message is that it will still work with good players. But it's like, as CJ said, like if you go lower down the leagues, it will be harder to implement. And it's so interesting with the pressing triggers because last year with the open play market map changes, that was the foundations of the work that we put in this year. And we had a lot of players move into space and mark the passing lane and block passing lanes. And so this is now the extension of that and making the players in their AI decisions a lot more logical of when they're going to start the press, when they're going to stop the press. And there's so many different intricate details of when a pressing trigger may be set in the AI. And that's what we're really looking forward to seeing is like, what's the feedback of the people playing the beta and what do they see as the differences? Because yeah, we could tell you that players will press on a bad first touch or players will be likely to set a pressing trigger if the player is then facing with their back towards their own goal or if the ball is near the sideline because that's an extra defender. But There's so many more in there. So it'd be interesting to see what the fans see. What I really like about the triggers, CJ, is that not only can you set individual players as the presser triggers, i.e. when they're attacking midfield against the ball, everyone pile in on him, but you can not set them for that and you can set everyone else. So if they're playing a terrible left winger and he's got very low vision and very low passing... Am I right in thinking now, because I haven't tried this out, that you can basically set a pressing trigger for everyone else apart from him to make him the option so they always give the ball to their worst player? So you can set up for kind of your individual player instructions to work in that way. But a lot of the kind of work we've done is just based on your formation and your team instructions and tactics and your line of engagement and your pressing intensity. The players will almost make that decision based off the shape. So if you set up your team in a way that you can target their left back and know that he's going to get the ball more. Or if you've identified the teams playing out from the back and you've kind of set yourself to press higher and try and stop them playing out into their midfield, they're things that the players will kind of automatically kind of find those passing lanes and choose when to press. It kind of takes a little bit away from the user having to kind of individually, manually go through every option and the teams and the players kind of make that decision based on your instructions overall. Yeah, they, these are obviously the two sort of big headline things that everyone's talking about. Is there anything that's been added that you sort of expected to either get a bit of backlash for or, or get a lot of praise for? Has anything gone unnoticed? I would definitely say the VAR improvements this year. Like we didn't say that specifically in any of the feature reveals that we've improved VAR, but I really think people will notice one of the trends of last year that we were seeing in the game is that people would almost celebrate when they saw a goal awarded for them, which was also for us as developers, it's sad because we want that variety in your game world and we want it to accurately reflect real life. So we realized that our VAR was too strict and it was too correct. Like every goal in our game gets checked by VAR. And so we're basically like, okay, it's already been checked. So we don't, give any visual representation of what's actually happened to you, you, the manager. So we wanted to make sure that we 
created a little bit more doubt in there. So now people will see when the goal's being awarded and they'll, they'll just see those little details in the game that maybe it might have frustrated people a lot in the past. And actually, funnily enough, someone, a really like, amazing community member, logged and asked for us to have a skip VAR button. That was one of their main wishes for <laughs> FM22. Turn it off. Yeah, and I'm so glad that we didn't listen to that because we could have easily just put that in there. But you need to think about why are they putting that idea across? What is the problem? And skipping it isn't the solution. God, a lot of people wish they could in real life. CJ, your biggest area of expertise for this one, I'd imagine, is going to be the fabled wide centre-back. How's that going down? So they came in really early for us to test and they almost worked instantly, which was testament to our kind of development team. I really like how we've got the defence support and attack duty on them and all three play quite uniquely so you can set up exactly kind of how you want them to play. They're not always going to be kind of overlapping to the byline if that's not what you want. If you want them to sit a bit deeper and play a bit more how the wide centre-backs play in defence and not always committing to attacking duties, you can do that too. I'm really interested to see how the fans use them in different systems because of course they can only be used in the five at the back but there's so many different types of five at the back systems you see in real life Chelsea don't play the same as a West Ham who don't play the same as say Atlanta for example so there's so many different variations of five at the back counter-attack and dominating possession be really interesting to see how people use them in game There'll be a lot of people listening to this. They've been getting their teeth into the the beta over the weekend and starting to come up with their own conclusions. But there's always a point where you're like, has that changed or am I imagining it? So just going through a few things. Now, last year, famously, the long throw was uh, peculiarly effective for a number of months before it was suddenly shut down. Have there been any changes made to that in FM22? Because it still seems like you can, if you've got the right player, you can really do some damage with that. So it was quite a um, strange one to find a balance with because there are teams that get success from the long throw. Brentford back in the Premier League now, they're my local team. I've been aware of it for a few seasons, but maybe now it's on a bigger scale how they use their long throw and how effective that is especially against teams that aren't prepared for it but at the same time we didn't want it to be something where everybody could just plug it in and play and get goals from so we did a lot of work on it especially on the defensive positioning of players and having the defensive team make sure they really attack the ball and while it's obviously not a complete option you can't use because I feel that would be unrealistic if we made it impossible to use it's a lot lot less effective than it has been in kind of previous versions. There were saves that I had on FM21 where I was doing very, very well out of near post corners. Now, obviously, I put this down to my own talent and no other factor. There was a lot of training. There were some big lads at the near post, a good corner taker. And, you know, we'd get 10, 12 set pieces every game. So it was a rich furrow to plough. I know I speak for many people when I say, dear God, please say you haven't done anything with corners. Nick, do you want to take this one? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) I need to brace myself. Basically, we have improved interception points of players and headers and making it realistic when they're they're heading the ball, their clearances, their clearance direction, and also the concept of when someone else is going to get the ball before you. Because that's the really hardest thing is to give the players the best opportunity to know when they can win the header if someone else is set in front of them to actually win the header and they miss it. So, yeah, there's definitely been some improvements there. We've also tuned our accuracy and inaccuracy system across the board because we realise that 
at different points in the game, you we weren't simulating accuracy and inaccuracy very well. And that will affect things like headers and corners, any set-piece deliveries. It'll be really interesting to see how you get on in FM22. All right, I'm going to read a quick message and we'll be back with some hints and tips of uh, how to make the best possible start to FM22. You're listening to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic. And because you're a listener, you get a very special offer on a subscription. Now, pull out your phone. Do this immediately. Go to theathletic.com forward slash fmpod. It is fmpod now. I know it's changed a lot, but you can't go too far wrong. Just type in fmpod. You won't pay normal person prices. You'll get a VIP deal just because you listen to this show. So get on there now. It's theathletic.com forward slash fmpod. Get a very, very special price for a subscription to The Athletic. Welcome back. I am joined by Nick Madden and CJ Ramson from Sports Interactive. The beta version has dropped. We are discussing FM22. So I'm just going to bounce between you now. I'm going to start with Nick. What I'm looking for is stuff that you know, because you literally made the game, that can make our players more successful. Because it is a difficult start. You come in with a new game, you kind of want to do all the things that worked for you before. But as we've established, quite a lot has changed. Let's start on tactics, mentality, that kind of thing. Is is there like a safe option for anyone who's really feeling a lot of anxiety? Yeah, for me, it's just definitely about trying to get your tactical style defined really early of what football you want to play. Definitely play your preseason friendlies. See what, watch them, <laughs> watch them in comprehensive highlights. Like really trying to see what the tactical familiarity is like in the team and how it's developing. The suggested um, formations and also like tactical styles for any manager to start in. So it really, it looks at your team and goes, okay, your assistant manager then go, why don't you pick this style of play? Um, in terms of sort of mentality, I always start off as a balance and then try and go up and down from there. Because for me, I just feel like I just want my players to just try what I'm trying to do and trying to implement. And I always try and go with less tactical instructions at first and add them in over time. That's just my preference. I feel that like if we've spoken to a lot of real life managers and they always say that give the players just a few instructions, don't overload them. And it would take longer to train your tactic if you overload them with team instructions. So it's definitely a, an avenue to go down where you can really increase the tactical nuance over time. Or you just go in one big hit. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, yeah, that's, that's what I've just done. Set it up and then play loads of friendlies and have loads of team bonding, loads of match practice, review the friendlies afterwards. Just do everything you can to boost that cohesion. CJ, you obviously have to pay very, very close attention to the matches themselves. You can't be one of those people who's half watching the telly, half watching their game. It will sound like a weird question, but how do you watch the game? What are you looking for in terms of being able to identify what's going right and what's going wrong? So we'll always have our own hit list or our own list of bugs that we're looking for and we're paying extra attention to. So I'll have those in the back of my head while watching. But generally, anything that doesn't feel like 
the correct flow of a game. I mean, I'm sure we all do. We watch a lot of football, watch 90 minutes like five or six times a week. So you get a feel of what a realistic feel of a game will be or how the flow will be. And when things just don't seem right, you can usually tell. So Nick touched on earlier about the inaccuracy. And that was one thing we noticed that there was a lot of really nice, accurate passes over long distances, for instance. But there wasn't as many players overhitting passes or underhitting passes in midfield. And that's a big thing you see at all levels of football so trying to replicate the real life feel of the game is probably my biggest thing and along with that is making sure that teams and tactics feel accurate to how they are in real life so if I'm watching Burnley versus Manchester City I want to see Man City trying to score cutback goals or trying to build up through the back and play through the lines and I want to see Burnley sometimes breaking the lines of longer passes or seeing if they can play off their striker on second balls so really making sure it does feel like real life I feel it's the biggest thing especially in football manager because I believe a lot of people play football manager for the realism and for that realistic feel and when that's missing it takes away from the game slightly. This is something that that people are going to have to keep an eye out for, isn't it? When their players play very, very bad passes, you shouldn't necessarily have them sold off for spare parts immediately. That's just a part of the game that they're going to play bad passes from time to time. Yeah, I feel feel it makes it feel a lot more realistic. A recent example of watching the Nations League game with France and Spain and there was quality players all over the pitch but even that game there were so many misplaced passes overhit passes and I guess it's part of taking risk on the ball you want well some some managers want their midfielder to take risk on the ball and try and break lines with certain passes but they're not always going to come off and I do feel in the past they were maybe a bit more accurate than they are in real life but I feel they've really got that balance which helped turnovers as well in the final third and just the overall feel of the game. Yeah, there's there's definitely, Nick, uh, an air of when players play ambitious passes and the person they're playing the ball to is in the wrong place, it feels more natural to go, don't worry, good idea, good idea, we'll get them next time. Whereas in I think in other versions or certainly in other games, you might be tempted to go, this game's crap. Yeah, I think it must be as well because of the animations as sort of the movements of the players. It definitely makes them feel a bit more realistic of like, okay, they've, they've looked like they've gone to make that run and then they've reacted and not made the run. Definitely, like I think that that helps with that. I guess keeping you calm on the touchline and just realising there are attempts in that defence splitting pass or that through ball that you want. But it's just run through to the keeper and that's okay. My favourite animation always in the game is when the player who plays a ball and it, it does go out of play and then someone's applauding the effort of that. <laughs> so it always does, like, it does help you then think, okay, the players thought that was quite a good idea too. It's not just me. <laughs> there are so many little bits that have tweaked and changed and, and it's funny because the interface still looks very, very similar to FM21, but underneath the hood, it's very obvious how much has changed. So CJ, when it it comes to the production process, I just always imagine you guys in your office, just kind of one person playing football manager and everyone standing behind watching and nodding and stroking their chin. Is, Is that the reality? So we found many different ways to kind of test as a team and get everybody involved. And one of the most successful ways is something we call the PKM watching meeting. So PKM is what we call our saved matches. And we watch the match as a team. We watch it on comprehensive highlights or sometimes full match. And we just go through all the different bugs that we can find and all the different issues that might come up. And we really do find some kind of new issues or new themes in the match engine from doing that having a mix of QA testers and developers and animation 
team all in there at the same time it's a great way to kind of just get everybody's eyes on it and it really does bring out the realistic feel of the match engine at the end I feel. The Football Manager Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is straying a little outside your area of expertise, but but there's I've noticed some changes with transfers now as well. Um, the way that you talk to agents, the way that negotiations sort of go on, the, the price differential in there. Can you tell me a bit about what's actually changed there? The whole team in the studio, we split off into different sort of sectors this year and for development. And we've ran across the studio trialling feature pods. So we would get a collective of individuals from each team and work on a particular system. This feature pod was like the agents and transfer side of things. So they've overhauled essentially the value of the player. They've had, they've had the same value system for a really, really long time in FM. And there's different values that you place on a player. Like there's what the club will be willing to accept, what the club can actually afford to accept, what the manager perceives as the value of the player versus what you perceive as the value. And we wanted to make it a bit more realistic with a range. Not every player can be sold for a particular price. It's also about getting into the agent's ear and finding out, okay, really, what are they willing to sell? And, you know, the more you scout the player, the more you get to know the player, the more the price will become smaller in that range. Just because you put in a bid for a player doesn't mean that the club also want to accept that bid. And that's something that we need to, to get across in a more realistic manner. CJ, outside of the areas you've worked on, what's your favourite change? So there's a new feature that has bigger clubs looking at the lower leagues to try and sign players as well now. So if there's kind of a wonder kid or talented young player in the championship or League One or League Two, the big Premier League clubs will kind of be more interested in them early on. And I feel that was something that was maybe missing from earlier versions. It's something I'd do if I was managing a big club myself, but I didn't feel the AI were as quick with it and it kind of gave me as the user kind of a chance to get a step ahead of the AI but that's been improved this year as well so I'm looking forward to kind of seeing how that plays out in some of the longer term saves. Nick I hesitate to ask because I fear I know the answer but who are you managing on the beta? Oh yeah I'm, I'm managing Celtic as usual. Of and course you are. <laughs> and then I'll move on to a B team save it's it's tradition you know. <laughs> Celtic have a B team this season so I'm very very happy. Oh wow I, I, I don't know what, what's happened there then. Is that like a Brentford B team? So we actually have a B team in, in the Scottish Lowland League th- this season so yeah. We're I at- didn't know that. Yeah. I spent all my time playing video games. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 really interesting to see that reflected. Everybody laughs at me in the office when I watch I watch all of the games. So you're under 18s in the B team and I watch how <laughs> it plays out. And yeah, so I, I, I've also found some of the, the best bits that we could really improve at the latter stages by doing that. So yeah, you may laugh, but it was good. <laughs> CJ, who are you managing? I'm yet to start my first save on this version. I think I'm leaning toward Brentford and wide centre-backs. I'm really enjoying how they're playing in real life this season. I've enjoyed their football over the last few seasons, to be honest. So it'll be a nice kind of challenge seeing how far I can take them in the Premier League. However, after watching some of the streams last night, I'm very tempted by Newcastle and their budget (laughs) and that kind of project that they have happening there. So maybe if I manage to win the Champions League with Brentford, I might move on to a Newcastle. Well, speaking as the current Newcastle manager, I can say there's a lot of issues there that need to be sorted 
and my, my <laughs> efforts to get the board to immediately upgrade youth development and training facilities have been met with a great big custard pie in my face. So it's, it's going to be, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a fun one. There's obviously a lot of money there, but that's only half the battle, isn't it? But, you know, you could say the same for real life. That is Football Manager 2022. The beta version is out now in all the usual places. Uh, it's in really good nick. I mean, the alpha version was in really good nick, but this plays really, really nicely. So get on it now. Let us know how you get on. If you've got any questions at all, send them to imacintosh at theathletic.com or come find me on Twitter, which is Ian underscore games. We've got so much exciting stuff coming up over the next few weeks. We're going to be looking at every aspect of the game, how to make you better, how to sort of demystify it, and how basically just to keep you winning stuff. I have been joined by Nick Madden and CJ Ransom. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. It's a great pleasure again. Thank you so much for having us today. I've really enjoyed it. Your producer has been Steve Hankey and I am Ian McIntosh, Newcastle United Manager. The Athletic.